Uh, bro, I remember, man. I remember as clear as day. I was laying down in my in my car outside the Walmart parking lot. It's dark outside, and you know, I'm human. I have my doubts. I was like, "What am I doing?" What is going on, Print Fam? If you're new, my name is Cam. Welcome to the Print Life Podcast. Got a very special guest for you folks today. But before we get into all that, let me get all of my advertising out of the way. Starting with iTunes and Google Play. This podcast is available on both platforms. Make sure to head over there. Uh, Of course, hit subscribe. And then leave a glowing review along with five stars on whatever platform you listen to. So you can even pause this, do that right now, and then come back. We'll wait. We'll wait. Today's guest is, um, I think I heard about him right when I got started on the YouTube platform. I found him because he was in the similar industry. And I have since seen things blow up for the man. So we brought him on today. And I'm going to just try to extract as much information as I can from him in regards to social media marketing and all of the incredible things that you can do with these platforms. So without further ado, let's welcome Mr. Reyes, the entrepreneur, everybody. Hey, Cam. Nah, nah, man. Thank you for having me on. You're the best. And it's been an incredible experience for me. And I think for a lot of other people just to watch you going through this thing and it's all over the place for you. Yeah, man, it's going good. I can't complain. So have you been going at it about three years? Since 2015, that's when I really decided to go hard on YouTube. Yeah, but I didn't start making con- shirt content till 2016, and I didn't get my first big push till 2017. Rewinding backwards, one of your first, or when I found you, I, I watched you from like your first upload, and at that time, you were living in your in your car. Yep, yep. When you think about that, looking back compared to like where you've ended up now, that's a big change for you. Like in that time frame, what happened? What did it like? What was the sequence of events that went from you living in your car and then you're printing in your house and then you're like, well, how did it go down? All right. So the first episode was my first real attempt at making something out of YouTube. And I always love teaching, but I only like teaching what I know. And I didn't know anything other than the struggle. And I decided, you know what? Let me make a little documentary of me sleeping in my car, see if I could have a plan, take action, and achieve my goals. And I did that. But I assumed the series was going to blow up, man. It didn't. But I enjoyed making the content where I decided to continue making videos. And then I tried a whole bunch of different ways of making money, collecting cans, selling chocolate bars, selling my football cards, until I started documenting my my journey of the t-shirt business. And that's what gave me my first jump. When okay, so when you started the YouTube channel out of your out of your car, right? Were you planning on on like you your it was always in your mind that you were going to document the process of of attempting to start businesses? Well, 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 my first thing was documenting me being homeless. But once that didn't work out, I started experimenting with different ideas. 
And I noticed people love seeing the journey. And that's, that's what really worked out for me. No kidding. Well, how did you, dude, it's just, it's so, it's interesting to me because when you're at that stage, I feel like most people <laughs> would not ever consider like, okay, well, I'm here, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, start building businesses. Like when you don't have resources and stuff, it seems like such a far leap. It's, it's an inspiring thing to see but well like what's going through your mindset like you know i mean obviously you you can be super motivational and all this stuff but how do you get out of the dark times so here's something a lot of people don't know that that wasn't the first time i was homeless and that wasn't the first business i started from 18 to 25 before i documented every anything i went through a lot of struggles man i've actually went homeless before I actually failed the t-shirt business three times, no. you know? Yeah, man. So I failed a lot. I went through a lot of struggles. But one thing I always try is learning from those experiences and getting better. So when you see my first video, I already have experience of what it's like sleeping in my car. And I already know I could tough it out. Gotcha. And mm -hmm. but then you also had confidence in yourself because you had tried other things, so you knew you could you could document that, and it would make for really good content. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I've done eBay full time, and then I got banned overnight. That was a real humbling experience. I've uh, what else? I've done Wait, so many different things. Before that, you got banned off eBay. Yeah, bro. They got me good, Cam. What'd you do, bro? What'd I was selling do? copyrighted decals. Like Raider car stickers, Niner. And here's the thing. Everybody in eBay is doing it. That's what I was going to say. I got caught, bro. Somebody must have snitched me out or something. Because of the YouTube channel. I mean, were you on YouTube at that time? No, no that was okay. before YouTube. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've noticed a little. Uh, I've noticed some interesting side effects to like running a standard business when you have any kind of presence on YouTube. I don't know if you've experienced anything like that. There's good and well, bad. A lot of good. Yeah. Some bad. Some bad, but I try to be real careful. You know, I don't try bringing people I don't know into my personal life. That's one big thing I really try. You're, it's really getting to that point now for you, right, where it's beyond just your niche. People are starting to follow in just, just because they like your content, so you got to be careful. Oh, yeah, man. I'm a, you know, I love it, though. I love it. Yeah, yeah, you can tell. I, I think of all of if anything anybody could say anything about you, you could tell you're like you're super into it. You're very passionate about this whole thing. When you brought screen printing into your apartment, that was interesting, and and I think it was also inspiring for a lot of people because they saw that you didn't you didn't need all of these things to pull it off. The first one I got it, the first time I got into it, and then I lost interest. The second time. I was putting in work. I, I, I learned how to screen print, you know, the emotion, the burning of the screens, but I didn't see results. So I, I stopped that and I went into something else. The third time, that, that was when I was going hard on eBay. But I focused all my attention on eBay. But yes, I knew how to make shirts. So when I started documenting it, I already had experience on what to do. It's, it's important to bring that up because it did almost seem like you do dove into it and you already knew what was up. So it's very important that people understand that you had previous experience. You weren't just getting your hands on a press for the first time and magically pulling off jobs. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and we're going to move on to other stuff. I don't want to harp on screen printing too much because there's a lot of other stuff to cover here. 
in regards to making your videos, like I know everyone has their own style. Like me, I, I cannot write a script to save my life. There's absolutely just no way that I can do it. What is your process when you when you come up with a concept and you're going to document it? What do you do? Do you write scripts? You use teleprompters? No teleprompters? Off the head? What's the game? So it depends on what type of video I'm making. Like for example, right now I'm doing the Riot Long series where I follow other entrepreneurs and get their knowledge about their business. So that I go record raw, whatever happens, happens. Then I get the, then I send those raw clips to an editor and then they send me one big clip and that's when I cut it. And that's when I decide the flow and the story of the video. And then that's when I write my own little inserts. I write my own intro, the outro, anything I need to uh, like uh, explain to the audience. And, um, and then that's it. And then the last part is I put the B-roll, the music. And before I post it, I make sure I get feedback from several people to see how they feel about the video. So you send that part out to a, a different editor? The, I send the raw clips and they put it together for me. Okay. And then they give you that back. Is Do you touch the editing process at some point, the final video? So they're going to send me like a 25 to 35 minute clip and that's when I go in there and trim it down to 12 to 15 minutes. Incredible. Dude, that's so smart. So you're saying, <laughs> you know, I edit five to six goddamn hours every single time I do it. Like when I was doing the daily vlogs, did not sleep. It it's wasn't horrible. even an option. I hate editing, bro. <laughs> but that's why I only do it in the mornings. Because that's when I have the most energy, and I only edit two or three times a, two or three time, two or three hours a day. Do, but it. do you find that when you send it out to your editors, that they're able to capture your original voice? Like my biggest fear is that I, they, if I have someone else touch my stuff, they won't capture like my whatever it is I'm trying to. What's your experience I, with that? I used to do that with other editors, where I would give them full control, but just like you said, they couldn't find my flow. Or my style. So now I'm making I'm I I give them the easy part, and then I do the final edits. Okay, so you're basically just having them assemble. Yes. So they're sorting through all the stuff and getting the juicy parts, and then you go through and trim it. Yes, because anybody could do that, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, it saves me a whole day. Yeah, heck yeah, it would man. Yeah, cause yeah. It seems like even for me, the most time-consuming part isn't fine-tuning it, but it's watching through all of the extra footage, getting the good stuff. Great tip. I'm actually going to completely adopt that particular situation, lot, my man. Because instead of having to worry about looking through everything, figure stuff out, give that job to somebody else. And don't get me wrong, sometimes they do miss a little bit of it, but at least I have the original files where I could insert something that they might have cut by accident. Yeah, I feel like even a lot of other independent YouTubers that do a lot of work probably don't do that. And we're missing out on a nice little bit of time savings, aren't we? Oh, bro. It, it's so nice to know that, hey, all I got to do is watch a video and then trim it down instead of trying to assemble it from scratch. Dude, that's amazing. Thank you so much for that. That's a good tidbit. Um, you're going through this whole time frame and you're, you're, making, all, you're making all these videos. Right, and, and and your channel was growing probably more like mine. It was a nice, slow, organic growth, right? But then you have this hit. There was, was, there was really one video in particular, right? And it just slammed people. And 
once that video hit, man, what happened? Like, what was the trajectory after that? Because I think to an outsider's perspective, it may have felt like an overnight success. First off, what's your opinion on that? And then, like, what happened after that whole thing hit? Well, after that hit, it didn't change my life until a couple months after. Because once that, and the video that hit was how I made screen printing into my full-time income. And I, I've been making like maybe four, seven dollars a month off YouTube before that one. When that video hit that month, five hundred dollars. The next month, fifteen hundred. And the month after that, twenty five hundred. And that's when I told myself, <laughs> I think I'm gonna quit my day job. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome, dude. And about the overnight thing, if that's what people think, hey, I don't care. But it, it took me years to get to this point. I mean, if you go back and look at the catalog, you can see the grind and you were experimenting and stuff. What's your opinion on that? And, and not just in the world of YouTube, but in social media in general. Is being in a niche, is it still possible to have that kind of effect? Or um, is it just grinding it out and just kind of experimenting with different formats? Like, you know, because I'm looking at that too, and, and I would love to have a, like a nice explode. And I think any business person would, maybe even not on YouTube, but have you found some kind of formula? Do you have any, any ideas of what you kind of need to put in place to get something to blow up like that? Yes. And the main thing is you have your niche of whatever content you're gonna make. Like for example, me, entrepreneurship. So I'm gonna make a video about entrepreneurs and I know that my entrepreneur audience is gonna watch regardless. Like if you put a sh like if you post a shirt uh, video, you know you sure people are gonna watch. But what makes that video go viral or get more attention is when it could be entertaining to regular people. Meaning, my videos, I get so many comments where people say, Reyes, I don't wanna start a business, I don't have a business, but your videos are entertaining that I want to watch them. That's okay. the secret. And look, remember I told you earlier, I get feedback. I get feedback from people who are not entrepreneurs because if they find my content interesting, the regular people are going to find it interesting. And there's been a couple times where I show my video to my girlfriend and I'm like, what do you think? She goes, ah, it was all right. And I already know she didn't like it, you know? Yeah, I, I got I got to be able to read people like if my girl likes my video, she's going to say, baby, I loved it. If she goes, baby, it was OK. I know she didn't like it. Mm -hmm. So I have to go back into the video, move things around, cut things, make it more funny. And that's my process. That's awesome. So you may even with the footage you have, like just sometimes just shifting the edit around or moving things can make a huge difference on the impact. I try to spread it around. Not only the knowledge, but the entertaining things. I, I like doing little cliffhangers. Like, hey, let's see how much money we're going to make at the end of the video. Or, hey, well, let's see what this person's going to say about this. Mm -hmm. You know, the main thing. Okay, so somebody asked me this before, and I feel like it's really good knowledge. So my structure for the videos are in the first three seconds, you have to get their attention. That's why I put a little clip in the beginning. Like, oh, you know, oh, today we made $10,000 and then it cuts off. And then, yeah. and then the intro, I give them a preview of what to expect. In this video, you're going to see all the struggles of this, but you're also going to see how much money we make. The body is where I try to put so much interesting content in there, in there, because if not, they could just skip to the end 
and find out the answer. And then at the end, I give them what they came for, how much we made in a day, or the the answer to the whole video in general. And so, uh, so another... let's have you let's have you critique some of my videos. This would be this would be awesome because I think so. I I feel like from what you've just said, I for sure don't hit them hard. Like I basically do the kind of same different intro. I don't give them a preview of what's coming. And that's mm -hmm. a big game changer in it, huh? Yes, because people are willing to wait if they know what they're going to expect. And so, you know? and so does that then increase your, your watch time, like your view duration? Exactly, yeah. yes. Because now YouTube, is, it's almost all about watch time. It's about titles, thumbnails, and watch time. That's the main thing that's going to help you get promoted on YouTube. Is there, like, so let's say you have a stream of videos that do really well. Yeah. But then you have like three or four videos that don't do good. Does that hurt your overall like rank with YouTube? And then now maybe they won't show the next ones. Like, is there any correlation there? So, it's, it's everything I'm about to say right now. It's all rumors because okay. YouTube doesn't put it out there. Mm -hmm. But yes, when you make a certain type of video, YouTube is gonna put you in the category, and they're gonna start promoting you in that category. Now, once you try a different type of content that doesn't fit that category, it's going to confuse the algorithm and they're not going to promote you as much. Understood. So, like, for example, if you're going to do shirts, do shirts. If you're going to do this, do that, you know? But, yeah. I got, okay, so I, I'm trying to think of some examples of that. Um, Kenyon, I think, is a really good example. Because Kenyon oh, man. the t-shirt thing, which he was killing it on. Killing it. When you start trying to branch off, that so you, that can be very risky in the YouTube YouTube algorithm based on your experience. Not only the algorithm, the subscribers as well, and yeah, the views. Them off. Huh. Yes, because they want entrepreneurial content, and then you hit them with something out of left fear. Fucking like what I did. <laughs> I did a couple where I went like backpacking, and then I brought a gun video in, and like hindsight's twenty twenty. Oops, but at the time it just seemed like. I don't know. Do, do you ever get that weird sense of like, well, this is mine. I can do what the fuck I want. Oh, yeah, man. When I first started, yeah. first started. But now that I'm bigger and have an audience that's expecting a certain type of content. And like I said, it's my business. And in the business, you have to give your your customers what they want. And my customers love knowledge. So yeah, they do. Yeah. And, um, you know, I've even tried that myself. Where I'm trying, I post a ride-along video and it does well, and then I post something about YouTube or so, and it doesn't perform well because my audience is expecting another ride-along video. Wait. Interesting. So even in like so, okay, then is it possible, dude? This is turning into YouTube talk now. Do you think it's possible more to do series? Like, um, so it's okay. Like, so for right now, I'm doing more of the what I saw was trending on YouTube with T-shirt printing, which was like step by step T-shirt, anything step by step, but not T-shirt printing. T-shirt business seems to be a more powerful key phrase than. So, doing a series within that context is 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 actually a good thing to keep kind of hammering at those similar key phrases in the headlines, right? Exactly. As opposed to doing one T-shirt business, one screen printing back to t-shirt business it's better to kind of like chain a series of them because that's your youtube subscribers get used to it you think yeah yeah exactly i'm making playlists as well like if you mm -hmm. check out my video i have a vending machine playlist an ebay playlist so if they they're interested in one thing they could watch the whole playlist and one of my biggest tips is uh 
don't stretch out the video. Let it be as organic as possible. Because there's times where I make a video and I'm nine minutes and fit and like 45 seconds. And I'm uh-huh. like, man, if I could just come up with another 20 seconds, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then at that point, you're stretching out the video, which is reducing the quality of the video. Yeah, you know what? I struggle with that one a lot. Uh, dude, most of my fi- my first cuts are fucking 40 minutes long. So, like me, it's actually I feel like it's a struggle to get it down to 15. How that could still possibly be too long. It may not be as general. It may not it, from what you were saying earlier, it may not be as good a content for a general audience. Your specific so, subscribers might like it. Yes. But your the general audience may not enjoy it the same way that the specific subscribers do. And the only way to really grow on YouTube is by attracting general audience, man. That's, That's the only nice. way. Because, uh, you know, I mean, yeah, man, yeah. What I noticed really blows up on YouTube is either like tutorials or something with a real storyline to it. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe make a video about your worst customer, stuff that gets people's attention. Your worst customer, your worst order. Hey, can I do 500 shirts in two hours? Okay. So YouTube right now, like I said, it's all about titles and thumbnails where you have to be borderline clickbait. Where <laughs> it's not, it's not clickbait, but it's like you're exaggerating the truth. Okay. I can you do know? that, man. Yeah, okay. That's a good, that's really good advice, actually. So I guess that does kind of lead into what, what I wanted to ask you. And this is in regards to... Um, let's say another local printer that has no YouTube presence, okay? But they obviously want to market themselves. They would like to start developing a social presence. Do you have any advice to them as to maybe what platforms to go on? Is YouTube a viable option for them? Um, just your whole spectrum of opinion on that. In my opinion, social media, first of all, Instagram and Facebook, they need to have a presence on that for sure. Now, YouTube, not really, man. I don't know. Let me ask you. You ever like when I when I had my shirt business, and even when I started the DTG business, I would get a good amount of orders from my audience. But because I have a big audience, you know, mm-hmm. I, that took years to build. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if someone who's just starting out in the game, if they're only gonna do it for business, I wouldn't advise to do it. Yeah. Yeah, from my experience, especially when you're niching up, unless you have something to sell directly to that niche, it's not going to get you general customers. And most of the customers, like in the printing business, don't care about screen printing until it's time to order it. Exactly, man. So then, okay, so let's take YouTube off the table. What kind of content, let's say you're coming, I'm asking you what I should do on Instagram and Facebook to get general customers interested. Do you have any opinions on that? As you know what, you man? It, it, uh, it's changing so much. But for example, Instagram, Instagram ads, mm. they're helping a lot of people grow right now. Really? Yeah. It, it, advertising your Instagram with Instagram ads will get you Instagram followers. Mm. Now, I've tried getting followers from my Instagram to go into YouTube. Doesn't work, man. Mm-mm. Now me too. And vice versa, even. <laughs> even getting YouTubers to go to Instagram could be a little tricky sometimes, yeah. Nuh-uh, man. It doesn't work out. You know, I experiment with it all the time in terms of like what, you know, there's 
industry-specific information, which you know is going to appeal to your core niche audience. But I find it much more difficult to create content, especially on YouTube, or I'm sorry, on Instagram, with photographs that would appeal to the general person that maybe is, doesn't care about screen printing until they need it. If you have advice on that, cool. How do you stand out to the general audience as opposed to your niche? Oh man, that's hard, bro. Because it's there's just so much competition and it's too saturated. What I would advise people is focus on uh, your area. Like for example, on Facebook, one thing that really helped me out on Facebook was advertising on Facebook group, bringing them to my Facebook page, and then just building that customer base, that loyal customer base. For, for Instagram, man, I don't know. I, have, I haven't really had a lot of experiences with that. But it's all about building your name and getting in front of the right people at the right moment. You know? Yeah. And I've, I've, I've heard and I've been doing a lot of research in like the last six months. And like if you're trying to get in front of the general audience who could be your customer one day, it's more about piquing their interest. Almost like what you said with the video format. Just hitting them with something funny that maybe isn't industry specific. And then you bring them into your world so they're aware of you when they eventually need you. If you're funny, you can catch them regardless of whether they're into whatever industry you're into. And and another thing I was going to say is that it's, it's all about consistency. You know, you want to be in front of that audience consistently. Don't just think you're going to post one time and, and that's it. You got to constantly be in front of them because nowadays, man, you have a couple seconds to get people's interest and uh, that that's more important than the con even being consistently putting the content out is more important than what the content is yes interesting yes because for example i had a viral video but th that died out after like a week so you know i couldn't depend on that piece of content to keep growing my youtube channel so i had to constantly put out content whether it was good or bad it didn't really matter as long as I kept putting stuff out. Of course, I tried getting better each and every time. Yeah, okay, I'm gonna apply all of this to my stuff. So keep an eye on the next six months, I'm gonna be applying what we just talked about to my whole platform, dude. Within your, within your world of, of marketing and things like that, you said it earlier, you are appealing to entrepreneurs. But I think my question for you and, and it's, is, are you in search of that perfect business that, that you feel like you you will be able to grab a hold of and run with it or are you more just in search of of the entertainment value of pursuing these different businesses and and not the having it stick isn't really the most important thing so my main business is the youtube business that's what i'm gonna do hopefully make videos make content for the rest of my life i just went from a sole proprietor youtuber to an escort because a media company, because mm -hmm. producing content is my is, is my new passion, man. I love doing that, and I'm I'm testing it out with entrepreneurship. So pretty much all the businesses I do is for content, really. But of course, I use my background and experience in business to grow it. I mean, are you seeing because you've been, dude? What vending machines? You've been now you're back on you're on the DTG, so you're kind of back in the t-shirt game, right? 
Oh yeah. Do you have any any uh, opinions on these different industries that you've been in? Like, so let's say not everybody's going to be an, a serial entrepreneur, but maybe they they want to pick one business and run with it. Have you seen any strengths in any particular industries? Just um, you know, for advice for people considering these things. Well, yeah, man. If you're willing to put the work and time into anything, it's gonna work out. Mm. You know, that that's my honest opinion. Like for example, the vending machines. Even though it didn't really work out for me, I know people who are doing the vending machine full time. You know, the same thing with eBay, the same thing with shirts. So if they're willing to put the work and time into it, I know they can make it into full time income. So with it, whatever business, as a, as an entrepreneur, the the key to all of it is just really being passionate about whatever that particular thing is you're pursuing. That's one of the most biggest things I preach, man. You gotta love what you do. You have to. You do. Yeah. yeah, you'll quit. You'll quit tomorrow. Exactly, because you're going to quit. Because here's the thing. When you start something, it's not going to grow as quickly as you thought it was. Or it's not going to be making uh, as much money as you thought it was going to make. And the only thing that's going to keep motivating you to keep going is your passion and love for what you do. And so for you, the, being in the YouTube world, you're, you're just – because you found this thing, you're passionate about just test trying a lot of different things out and just creating – information for people that maybe they don't want a t-shirt print maybe they don't want to do vending but one day you're going to do this business that that they lock into and they're like that's what i'm into hopefully man i'm just a guy who's trying to show people different ways of making money hopefully they could decide what they want to do so based on your experience so far as as um and maybe this is just from your experience but I know you're starting to interview other existing business owners and you're starting to get a feel for what they do. Have you come up with any general mistakes that maybe you see these smaller businesses making that are possibly holding them back? That if you, you look at it from an outsider and you go, damn, if they just change this, this, and this, it would blow up for them. Nah, man, everybody's right on track. Because huh. they wouldn't be doing it full time if they weren't doing something right. So most of these entrepreneurs... They got it on lock. There's been a couple. Uh, the, the only ones I really have anything to say about are the ones who just started their business. Mm -hmm. Those are the ones where I could be like, you know what, if you did this or that. But I'm the type of person that I don't give advice unless somebody asks for it. So yeah. I let them do their own thing. With social media and the marketing aspect of their things, they need to, they need to focus on being more consistent. Um, and ultimately, that's the thing, if you want to start building a presence on that platform. Another thing was one person, they were doing too many things. They were, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm not trying to bash anybody. Everybody's different. But in my opinion, mm -hmm. he, uh, he had his day job, which was a hustle. Then he made music. Then he wanted to start a brand. He had an editing company. And the problem was almost all of those things weren't even off the ground yet because his attention was all over the place. So, yeah, I, yeah. in my experience too, and, and, and in the t-shirt business, you deal with those people a lot. So yeah, one of the big things that I see with a lot of the customers that come in that are also kind of that they have too many things, too many irons in the fire, and you can just see that they have no focus or really any commitment to any one thing to push through the the early stages, which are always the most difficult and the least fruitful. They never have fruits. It takes years to have something actually benefit you, right? And you know why people are like that? 
I used to be like that because you start something and then you get a better idea or you find a better way of doing something and mm-hmm. now you want to put your attention to that. And I was, I'm guilty of doing that when I first started. And then when I realized I wasn't getting anywhere, mm-hmm. that's when I realized maybe I should just focus on one thing. And once I started focusing on one thing, I saw new success. The, the trick is to first off pick a niche and then you need to go all in in that niche, right? So like for me, I'm going to use as an example, started in screen printing, but you can then sort of, you can take little branches with like within an industry, right? Because you're still ultimately staying within that, that niche. But when you start trying to go, like you said, I'm going to be, be an editor and I'm, maybe I'm going to produce music and heck, maybe I'm also going to be a, 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 a fucking, I don't know, wedding planner. That's where it starts to get too disconnected and you can't, you're, you have no focus. Exactly. Yeah, I agree with you, dude. I think you're 100% right on that. Dude, you know what? Do you have any opinions on what's happening with like with TikTok? And do you, do you understand the platform? Are you, are you diving into it at all? You got TikTok, bro. But I know it's something for the young kids, but it's blowing up. It's blowing up. But here's the thing. I don't think it's here for the long run. I agree. Yeah. It seems like it's a no talent platform for people that don't. <laughs> um, this is not good to say, but it's for people that d- that don't have anything going on to pretend like they got something going on. You got music, you lip sync, voila. So, you remember Vine? Yeah. Oh yeah. I feel like it's kind of the same thing. But did you know that TikTok was originally another app called Musically? Yeah, I heard that, and that's what that whole the whole lip syncing thing was kind of started from. Yeah, I did a few of the videos, man, just trying to to see if I could understand what it is, and I I just don't that hey, I'm I'm old. We'll see. I don't know, man. I don't feel like I'm gonna jump on onto TikTok anytime soon. I'm gonna jump on it at some point, and then um I've been uh, looking into LinkedIn too. I I always had a sneaking suspicion that that was where, if you're a business owner and you're looking for clients for your business, whether it's a service or whatever. It feels like LinkedIn would be the platform to connect, even more so than like Instagram or Facebook. Have you yeah. been messing with LinkedIn at all? Nothing, bro. I mainly stick with uh, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. I don't know. What do you think of Twitter? You got I Twitter? Don't get it. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I don't know, man. I mean, like, I don't see no benefit in having any of those. I feel like Twitter is just a dumping ground for celebrities because no one's going to follow you unless you're, you know. I don't know. I could never figure out even how to find the people that would be interested in what I'm saying on that platform. Like YouTube is very intuitive. It just makes sense. You make content for people that would be interested in what you're doing. And then just over time it grows. Right. And Instagram is kind of the same thing, but Twitter doesn't seem to be that way. If you're not interested in politics or like celebrity gossip, it's just kind of a black hole. You're not gonna, you're not gonna stand out. So Mm -hmm. I don't think it's beneficial for us, but maybe it is. Ah man, I'm more of a type that hey, I'm gonna stick with my lane. YouTube is is was paying the bills. I'm gonna stick to it. Yeah. So yeah, the first question is, where do you see your DTG business going in the future? Ah, uh, it's Gonzo's, bro. It's gone. Really? I'm out. Why are you out, dude? First of all, the content hasn't been performing well, mm-hmm. and just like any business, you have different types of product. You have to focus on the products that are getting the sales and my Rylan videos they're quick to make and they're getting views the DTG videos took so long to make because I'm showing progress 
like a 30 day like 30 days in one video yeah, you know that's tough and that's gonna take a long time yeah. and business decision i had to let that go damn but uh, as a business it's not that good either it's yeah, uh so i would love I would actually uh, i'm gonna expand on that question because you know a lot of screen printers consider bringing dtg in and for various reasons, you know, maybe to fulfill small orders. Yeah, but even me as a printer, I even if I were to get three orders a day, I would find it hard to justify a DTG printer. Exactly, man. Yeah, because uh, first of all, you're spending the ink. Every time it turns on and off, it, it does a cycle. It doesn't waste a lot. Don't get me wrong. Like, for example, I, I like... Uh, two white cartridges you could do probably like 400 shirts so it's not that bad like the color the colors the cmyk mm -hmm. i got half the size so a white cartridge is this big the 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 trial cartridges are half the size i just have to change the cartridges this month and i've had the machine for like four or five months already that's so, not bad then. No, it's great. Each each uh, ink cost was about a dollar to two dollars per shirt, and yeah. it tells you how much it costs to print the shirt. Okay, so so at two bucks a shirt on the ink cost. Yeah. So where where's the bottleneck then? I'm assuming, as from an experienced printer, it's the artwork and getting it, and then all the interaction with the customers. Is that where it doesn't become worth it? Well, the graphic. Well, supposedly. The the customer has to have a PNG with no background, but I'm sure as you know, not every customer knows that type of language. Or so, barely ever. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of have to reject a lot of orders, and the orders that I did accept, first of all, exactly like you said, got to do the artwork, then get the approval, and then you start. But the bottlenecking is that you're going to do one shirt at a time, and it takes about five minutes to print one shirt. Did you did you have an experience with what you could retail them at? I mean, is thirty bucks too high? Is is fifteen bucks too high? I, I didn't get that far because unless I'm charging at least let's just say thirty dollars a shirt, it's not worth it if you have an employee. Right. You know, because I trained somebody, my assistant, to take care of all the orders, but even him, he could only do four or five top six shirts an hour Damn. and yeah man i'm paying him and of course not counting the mistakes because there were a lot of mistakes because yeah, for, because you have to put a layer of pre-treatment i don't know if you knew that yeah 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 but it seems so it seems so easy like from an outsider's perspective well it's spraying the mist of pre-treatment on the shirt but here's the thing you there's been several times where the spray there's something wrong with it but you can't tell until the shirt's printed. Yeah. So like if there's a gap in the spray or something. Exactly. So you just ruined an entire shirt only to figure out there's a gap in the pre-treatment. One time, we pre-treated like 20 shirts in a row just to have stocked up. Mm -hmm. After a couple, I mean, almost when we were done, I noticed there was air bubbles on the tube. And that messes up the whole thing because if there's air bubbles on the tube, that means there's going to be air gaps on the spray. Mm -hmm. So we pretty much have to redo all the shirts because what's the point of printing the shirt and realizing it messed up? So 
so no. can you so so what you ended up finding with DTG ultimately is just that it's not as fast as they claim. You're, are you always troubleshooting? There's always something that goes wrong that you have to deal with, and it's very hard to systemize it into some kind of repeatable process. What if you were able to push orders, like let's say you were kind of more in the five to 12 piece per order range, Would it? and you were, could, could you do 15 bucks a shirt and it would be worth it then? Like if what you could get a five to 12 piece order? Well, here's the thing, you could still only do six shirts an hour, regardless. So no matter how, how big the order, it's still going to take the exact same time to do the order, and that's what kills it. Because mm. if I get a big order, might as well outsource it to a screen printer who could do it quicker and cheaper. Hmm. You know, and that's one thing I was, I was battling a lot. There was people who wanted to order 50 shirts, but they wanted a screen print price, and I know I couldn't beat that. Interesting. See, you don't hear these parts of it. So, um, six pieces an hour. Like you maybe could maximize that to seven or eight if you really dialed things in, but you're still just not gonna crank out that many. No matter what Sucks. you do. No matter what you do. And is it because of the pre-treat and then the underbase and then the CMYK over the top? There's a lot going on. It takes a lot of time. So here's the thing: if the customer had the artwork ready and my shirt was already pre-treated then sure, I could see you busting 10, 11 shirts. But from <laughs> but start to finish, <laughs> oh, that, that's best case scenario <laughs> with no mess ups if you're busting them out real quick. Oh no, dude. Okay, so yeah, it's out. It's just out. It's not even an option. So the only way a DTG would work is like one of those print on demands mm -hmm. where they're getting a lot of orders for one or two designs gotcha that's the only but another thing is inconsistency like you, you ever print something with a regular printer right well you right. mean like a just an inkjet printer or something yeah but tell yeah. me sometimes don't don't you get mess ups like oh, the banding the like a head clogged or something and yeah but with a piece of paper it's it's not even a penny for that paper if it messes up on a t-shirt that's that's anywhere from two four or five dollars yeah yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I remember I did a brand, 40 shirts. They returned about nine of them. Oh, man. Because it was just inconsistent. Mm -hmm. So, it, it, will, it, it will be great for people who just want a custom shirt. But it mm -hmm. wouldn't be great for brands. It wouldn't be great if you're trying to grow your own little business. You know, it's just for one-off shirts real quick. And then the clients can't really be sticklers for quality either. It's just kind of like, I'm going to give you a shirt. You could wear it for this thing, but you ain't going to be able to resell this at a retail quality level. Exactly, man. I wonder if there's a big difference like when you step up to like the Corneet DTGs, the really high-end, you know, they have the pre-treat built in. They have humidity built into them. I wonder if it's better with those. The worst thing about it, it's still overpriced, meaning not everybody could afford it. You know, like screen printing. Someone could get into screen printing with 500 bucks, get some cheap machines, some cheap screens, some, you know what I mean? But with TG, DTG, like the DTG I got, 20 Gs, bro. Well, you could finance it for about 350 to $400 a month, everything, you know? At, at like an average of 15 a shirt. Yeah, dude, that's still. <laughs> the good thing is that I'm not locked in into this. Mm. DTG, we got, we got, uh, you know, where I'm able to make content with it mm -hmm. and then we'll work something out. Where are you going to go next, dude? 
do you have any i don't i maybe you can't reveal it but do you have any cool things in the work that you're the works that you're shooting and planning so my bread my new bread and butter is the rattle on series but you know See, I, I haven't kept up with you. I should have watched your more re most recent videos, dude. Um, the ride along. Well, I follow ride along series. That's what I call it. Yeah, you told me about that earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. So my my new series is called a thirty day challenge, where I try to grow a business from something from nothing to something in thirty days, and I'm doing eBay again to test out the idea. Uh -huh. For so I'm doing that right now, where I'm taking thirty days, see how far I could grow eBay all in. And I want to make a four-part series out of it. And then we'll see how that does. If that does well, then I'm going to try other things like Amazon FBA, drop shipping, uh, different businesses, you know? You know, it seems like last year I started seeing um – is, is it Amazon Associates or like these drop shipping these these drop shipping hustles? Do you have an opinion on that? Is is it enlarged? Because you've been experimenting in this kind of world of like maybe you could even call them like get rich quick ideologies in some cases, right? Yeah. Is it bullshit? Is it possible? So let me. I tried it. I tried it with eBay drop shipping. The first of all, the numbers they're they're not fake, but they're misleading. Because, for example, with drop shipping, I made about $240 in sales, about $18 profit. Right. So, you revenue know? versus net profit is very yeah. different. But, of course, you know, all these gurus, they're like, oh, I just sold $10,000, $100,000 in sales. But they don't show you the real net profit at the end of the day. So, that's one thing I really want to figure out. In your experience with these drop shippers, I, I'm not really interested in it, but it, it's intriguing to me. To get a, a, like a good deal, like let's say you get a, a source from from China, you're gonna have to get a real good deal where there's a big margin in it. You're gonna have to be ordering a lot from them, right? Like you're gonna have to increase your sales. How does this whole thing work? So pretty much, I'm selling back scratchers on my website. You buy one, I get your address, and I give it to a shipper in China. And then they're gonna mail you one back scratcher. So oh, I don't even got China. It's gonna take. That's another drawback that they don't say that it takes from four to twelve weeks to get your item. Yeah. <laughs> For your damn back scratcher, my back itches now, bro. Exactly. <laughs> but I, and I asked the drop shippers, don't you get a lot of backlash because of that? And they simply say, it's in the fine print on the website. It's gonna take you four to sixteen weeks. To get your item. Yeah, it seems like it would be a tough to business to scale. Like in my mind then, if that is the case, what I would want to do is maybe test to see if there's a market and then I'm going to buy it in bulk and bring it in so that I can get better. Well, the, the thing about those businesses to make some real money, it's all about quantity. Hundreds and hundreds of items. And then how are people marketing these things? They're all taking out Facebook ads. Like if you're for your back scratcher, you're running ads on Facebook. Running ads on Instagram, on Facebook. Well, you got to figure out your niche. That's one thing that they do right. They figure out who are they trying to market? Who are they trying to advertise to? So let's take an example of the back scratcher. Most likely, I'm going to advertise men uh, probably from 25 and up, mm -hmm. you know? And most likely, they're mostly on Facebook. So I would advertise that on Facebook. Old hairy men, dude. Their backs is itching, bro. You know, maybe they're a little bit overweight. Cause I know I have my, I need my girlfriend to scratch my back in certain spots. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
So I do think too that a big part of this whole niche, maybe you can confirm it, is just that what these people are ultimately doing is they're creating a business, but it's really just to create content so that they can grow their channels. That's what what a lot of it does come down to. Oh well, that that I, I was talking about real dropshippers mm-hmm. who have their own business, but people who are making content, it, in my opinion, is a it's a pitch. It's nothing but pitches. They just yes. want you to buy their course. Hey, you know, everybody their own, but I'm all about the free 99 knowledge, man. Yeah, you are. I'll never charge for knowledge. No. But yeah, that's just I, me personally. I've been, yeah, I've been really hard up on it in the past, but at some point, uh, I don't know. We got to see. We're going to have to see about that. Um, do you, do you, when you're like creating like the marketplace, like for your back scratcher, are you selling it just through eBay or do you believe in like generating a website to, to bring traffic to that as like a landing page? So, you know, I like being transparent. I never really dove into drop shipping. I just, you know, uh, put my toes in there just to test it out. I quickly realized it wasn't for me. Gotcha. It's just a lot of, uh, I don't know. I'm not saying not being honest, but I just didn't feel comfortable selling something that I didn't know the integrity of it, you know? Yeah. But uh, yeah, there's people that go all out. They make websites, they pay influencers, mm-hmm. but that's one thing that I really, see, that's why I want to do a 30 day challenge. Cause I want to go deep in there. And- you should, I'd love to see how it turns out. And especially if you, if you break out real honest with the results and you kind of, mm-hmm. You kind of break that. I think that would be very useful. Not you don't want to piss on people's parade, right? But if you break oh, I it want down to. in an honest way, right? No, I want to. Well, I'm talking about the fake gurus. It's okay. time where yeah. somebody came in and be like, "Yo, you guys are lying to people. You guys are misleading people." You you remember the hoverboard that came out? It was like that two wheel thing. You lean forward, lean backwards. Yeah. That was the ultimate drop shipping scam because those were the people that were able to take a product and multiply the price of it because when it first came out i think they charged 1500 bucks for that thing and they were buying it for 150 bucks so you can do it right if you can create the right market but the it, marketing has to be so on point like they had celeb they were giving it to celebrities to promote on the morning shows as this new incredible piece of technology and it was worth 1500 bucks and but again yeah. it can work if you can really create the market for it Here's the thing. I feel like to be successful in dropshipping, you either need a very unique item or you need to jump on the trend as quickly as possible before it dies off. Like, for example, you remember fidget spinners? Mm-hmm. You know, did you ever think of selling some? No, I didn't. And they never even really crossed my mind who was making them, but I remember they were hugely popular. What's the story with those? They, you know, they just it was just an item that got popular, everybody wanted to sell them, but the worst time to jump on the trend is when it's in its full popularity, because now it's just gonna go down. Yeah, when everybody knows about it, it's almost too late. You're too late to the game. Yeah, you gotta jump on the hype. It is an, it's an interesting business to me, man, and not that I'm ever gonna go into it, but I think there are some lessons that even um, a, a service-based business can learn from these kind of things. It's specifically the marketing tactics used to, to, you know, to promote that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff is going to make or break your business. So it's definitely good practice. Yeah, I totally agree. Let me see if there was anything else here. I think a lot of people 
in today's world, they struggle. It's probably even an epidemic with like depression, right? They get stuck in these holes and they cannot pull themselves out of it. So let's go back to that. How do you keep a positive mindset when shit is so goddamn bad for you? You know what? It, it took a lot of practice, man, in my life in general, building my confidence and, and remembering to always just stay positive. And one thing I do is, first of all, I'm grateful for everything I have. Even if I have nothing, in my mind, I have everything, which is my health, which is my freedoms. And then secondly is uh, just being positive, believing in yourself. You know, that's one thing. But I, I had to train myself a lot, bro. I, here's the thing. Here's one thing that really helped out. It was building my confidence little by little, little successes, you know? So when you see my homeless series, I'm a, I, I already have confidence, you know? But if you saw me in my early 20s, I was a whole different person. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it's a learned skill, right? To, to understand that even if things do get really bad or things are hitting a, a low, the... the you, you have to learn to understand that it will get better. It's not going to stay the same. Um, and here's the do thing. You think, do you think work ethic comes into it at all, though? And do you think some people have work ethic? And, and those that don't, can they learn it? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you, man. When I was 20, before that, I've never had a job. I was always on, on school, you know? And I was still lazy at school. I was a C student, you know? and the, Because I was never pushed. I was never encouraged, you know, my mom, she was a single parent working her butt off to provide for me and my brother and my siblings, but uh, I got my work ethic because I had to, you know, it came, there was a point in my life where pretty much overnight I was by myself, I, I couldn't depend on anybody else, mm -hmm. and right there and there, that's where you decide, am I going to let these struggles hold me down? Or am I going to use that as motivation to move forward and achieve my goals? And I decided to use that as motivation. That's incredible. Yeah, I think I do the same thing. Uh, like I understand that it's uh, gonna that, that I've had struggles in the past, but just like sticking to something is another huge thing, right? Like being a just and you talked about it earlier. When you find something that you're actually passionate about, it's easier to pull through the lows as well maybe. so maybe even that applies to you when you were in the car and you were doing the thing it was like you you set this idea that you're going to do this youtube thing and you became really passionate about it so it just pushes you through when things get tough oh uh, bro i remember man i remember as clear as day i was laying down in my in my in my car outside of the walmart parking lot it's dark outside and you know i'm human i have my doubts i was like what am i doing you know Need to go through this low oh man one of the worst struggles was the loneliness i was lonely man because i i couldn't i didn't have people i could talk to about this because a lot of people didn't understand what i was doing they didn't see my vision but i just kept telling myself this is gonna work out this is the foundation for something sure i didn't know when it was gonna happen but i told myself this is the road i want to go and I'm gonna stick to it as long as I have to. But that's that is what I would. That's what I take from you, man. Like you are the the ideology behind just like 
sticking with it and it's and it will work out like having faith in yourself and yeah uh, that's the lesson from you man <laughs> just uh stick it out appreciate it yeah yeah that's uh that's it man i mean you can't fail if you don't quit mm-hmm. you know so just don't quit i uh, sure you you might lose you might feel like you're not growing as fast as you as you want or should but if you just stick with it you're gonna be successful sooner or later I love that, dude. Yeah, man. So I'm gonna I'm gonna sum that up too. You have to pick something. And the people that are that are bouncing around, you have picked YouTube. This is gonna be your business, right? I have picked the printing industry. This is gonna be my business. And maybe this isn't a hundred percent the case, but you need to pick a lane and you need to. But you gotta drive that road, bro. As long as it's gonna take. It may take you two years. It may take you twenty years. But that's the road you gotta get on, and you gotta stick it out. So let me ask you something, Cam. Yeah. What if someone hits you up and says, I don't know what I want to do? Yeah, dude. And that's where, I, that's where like your content is so valuable because it, what it's going to do, and this is why it's so important to have somebody out there. If you don't know what you want to do, you need to try a bunch of things. And then when that thing sticks, that's you've got to commit to it. But the, everyone's in search of that thing, right? But the problem is, is that sometimes people will find something and like, oh, this is really cool. But the first time it gets hard, then they're going to back out of it right yeah man. yeah you're absolutely right because there's and like you, a learning curve with everything but if you're if if when you think of something and it excites you and then you give it a little shot and maybe you have even just a little hint of success maybe that sh- that might just be the thing you should go all the way with you know because you can't guarantee any you can't guarantee that anything will work out you can't and, guarantee it and you know what man in my early 20s i thought business was my passion and i was doing that but then when I hit 25, I realized teaching was my passion. So things might change, but you won't know what you like unless you give it a shot and go for it. I, I have to keep turning this volume down when my dog is barking. Hang on real quick. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> you shut your goddamn cornhole. I'm worried that all those nuggets were... I'm worried that all those nuggets right there, bro, <laughs> were ruined by my goddamn dog barking. I hope not, man. Um... <laughs> All right, uh, I think we've nailed more than enough from our dude Reyes here. Before we let him out of here, I just want to give him the opportunity to shout out all his social media, all of his accounts, so that you guys can go check him out, even though most of you already know who he is. But what's what's all your stuff, man? Hit us with your social accounts. Hey, if you guys want more free 99 knowledge, go follow my Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Reyes Entrepreneur. All right, any uh, websites or anything to promote, anything that's coming up? Nah, I just, I, I'm, I'm going to be trying new, crazier uh, series, so stay tuned for those. Beautiful. And yeah. again, man, uh, just thank you so much for being here. It means a lot. I know you're a busy guy, so it just means a lot that you would take the time to come shoot the shit with this guy. Of course, <laughs> man. Hey, man, I, I feel honored, man. Thank you. That's, that's so cool. And you guys, make sure to go subscribe to all of his stuff, and again iTunes, uh, Google Play, subscribe to the Print Life Podcast, like it, five stars, and if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, go subscribe, and ding the bell, all that stuff. Reyes, you are the best, my friend. We will see you soon, man. I'll talk to you in a little bit. All right, thank you, man. You guys have a great day. Later, brother.